This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 325, where today, CJ and I are going to talk about surviving Ignite 2019, recorded live October the 17th, 2019. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, would you take it? Because our friends over at Nintex want to give you a gift, the gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities, and most recently, a new e-sign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to spend it however you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. Good day, Mr. Johnson. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. What is new in your life? Oh, man. Gearing up for Ignite. <laughs> <laughs> so not, not Ignite related. I got a question for you really quick. Yeah, yeah. How's your back? It's average. Uh, I saw you. You look like you moved a lot of rock and a lot of yeah. mulch around last weekend based on I'm, Facebook. I say I'm average because it has been a lot worse recently. <laughs> 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 yeah, I built a, I built a sort of, a, I guess, a, like a garden bed, I guess. It's not really a garden bed. It's, I don't know, a rock wall and then filled it with bark. How about that? Yeah. Well, to stop and- weeds growing in a certain area of our property. Yeah, it looks it looked good. Uh, I, I looked at that and just saw one of those things like, man, I know being 40, moving that much rock around all day, you're going to feel that by the end of the day. You can't stop because you'll freeze up and then you finally yeah. get it done. It's the next day like, oh man, I need the ibuprofen. Oh yeah, I was crippled at the end of the day. Crippled. Like I just could not, I couldn't function. My back just was busted. It was, I moved five cubic Five cubic yards, I'm not going to convert to metric. I'm a metric person, but because you buy this stuff in Freedom Units, I can't, that's what I know because I'm not buying it in metric, right? So I got five cubic yards of river rock type stone, which it's basically a moderate sized dump truck of rocks. Like it's quite a lot. And they're at about two and a half thousand pounds per yard which in, I know that is about a ton in metric per yard. So it's about five tons, metric tons of rock. That was one trip. And then the other one was, so I had to unload all of those. Turns out rocks are quite hard to shovel, by the way, if you have <laughs> large rocks, can't really shovel them. Yeah. Anyway, and then filled it with bark, which was another six yards of bark. Turns out bark, you can shovel, shovel a lot more easily. But it was heavy and hot, weirdly, like because mm. it's breaking down, right? So it's it's kind of steaming and warm, mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Anywho, oh, that well, was my weekend. So yes, broken back. Yeah, gotcha. So you were started yeah. to talk a little bit about what else you guys were up to because you're getting, I guess, live tiles is getting or hyperfish. Do we say live tiles or do we say hyperfish? Now we're just part of live tiles. Okay, so you don't yeah. say hyperfish anymore. Hyperfish is the product still. Okay, but we're owned by live tiles. So it's okay. So, as the company. All right. So you're, and so I, I take it you guys are getting ready for Ignite. Yes. Yep. We're going down. We're doing, oh man, I was on a meeting the other day reviewing like our booth design and our messaging plan and a bunch of things that are going on there. So yeah, we've got a lot, a lot to come together. Our marketing team is working overtime right now to get 
get it all done in time, given we're only a couple of weeks away. <laughs> Everything always comes in so so hot at the last minute to it. This, of doesn't course, it? always. It doesn't matter how big you are. When I worked at Microsoft, coming in with your eyebrows on fire, work at a smaller yeah. company, eyebrows slightly more on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. I guess from the outside, it gets interesting because when you do work, when you work with Microsoft for different things, when it comes to a conference uh, in the past, like Build or Ignite, I get a feel that. It's like the company only marches to the event. And so everything kind of like the company feels like they're always working to be able to deliver stuff at that event when it feels like it's more less... I know this isn't fair, but it sometimes feels like it's not about the customer. It's about shipping to be able to talk about something at an event. And it can get frustrating at times, but... Yeah. You also realize like you do work from, with Microsoft on these things or you see a little bit behind the curtain you realize just how completely unput together it is 24 hours before things start at the event, right? If you work on the keynotes and stuff, you see how completely in flux it is. You know, even the night before the event, things are being rewritten and just how utterly chaotic it can be. And then, but so long as from an attendee's point of view, at showtime, does it all work and does it all make sense? That's the main thing. But it's pretty amazing yeah. to see how crazy it is behind the scenes. But anyway, <laughs> yes, we're in, the, we're in that exact same boat at the moment. But anyway, what's going on in your world? What have you been up to? I'm not getting ready for Ignite. I decided I'm not going to do any kind of like special things or promos or anything like that for, uh, for my business this year. I, don't, I haven't seen much of a kick from it in the past. I'm taking a different approach this time where for the first time in many years, I actually have a session where I'm presenting at Ignite. And so I'm going to focus on just connecting with those people and trying to trying to see what I can do from that point of view. But I guess lately, I've had some fun. I've gotten... Um, so I just set up... I'm going to have a blog post about this coming out soon. Hopefully, the blog post is out by the time this podcast comes out so that I can link to it in the show notes. So if it's in the show notes, then yes, you'll know that it was uh, that I actually blogged about it. But I added... You know, We've talked about a bunch recently about how we've moved our site and I've done it with mine as well to Hugo. And... I finally got finally took the time to say, well, let's go through and let's add it to let's add search as a feature to my site. And yeah. I did that using Azure Search. And I will do this to the podcast eventually, but I really like this setup. It was really easy. So effectively what it is is that all I've done is you create a uh, a search instance inside of Azure. And then in Hugo, I have a little configuration that every time the site gets built, it generates this JSON file that contains a subset of the information that I want to have indexed or that I want to show in my search results. Mm -hmm. And then inside of Azure Search, what it does is that it looks... I have an index and an indexer and a couple other things about this where it, when I run the indexer, it looks at that file, indexes all the content, and then you create this thing called a scoring profile, which effectively says, thanks to uh, a blog post by uh, uh, Waldeck Mastercars, I've got it set up to where... The title of the post is like weighted a five, tags on the post are weighted a three, and then the content's weighted a one. And then it also skews the content to the newer content is what shows up higher up in the search results. Yeah, I say sorts by kind of thing. I wouldn't say it sorts it by. It just is more, it emphasizes the weight. It adds more weight to the results if it's newer. So like I've mentioned, like this week I posted about IE11. And I've, I've written, I had IE11 mentioned on my blog many times throughout the years. But the post that I put up this week, if you search for IE11, it's going to be the top hit, which as a 
as a postscript, don't use IA11. It's a piece of crap. Just don't do it. Some people just don't have the choice, man. It sucks. Well, it's very topical because we have a particular customer this week who is having all sorts of IA11 problems with SPFX because of the, let's not get into it. But as I understand it, it's the SPFX team's lack of understanding about how polyfills work in the real world. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, it's, I get my, well, my whole stand on that is follow what the Microsoft guy said, the, the security guy said, which is IE11 should only be used when you have an app that does not work outside of IE11. If it's a corporate standard, that's not an excuse. I get that I'm speaking from like, you know, ivory tower kind of stuff. But yeah, if you're using an old thing, IE11, as of this weekend, this past weekend, is six yeah. years old. Seriously? Was released on October the thirteenth on October thirteenth in twenty thirteen. It is six years old. What? Six. How much saw the iPhone five was released when that happened? Katy Perry or um, Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball was popular then. Gravity was the movie that was popular then. Seriously, how many people are listening to the show have an iPhone five that you're using? Nobody. Your kids yeah. probably don't even have your old iPhone five. They probably have something else that's even newer than that. So, and all of that crap costs money. Whereas I, computer, the browser the doesn't cost history, a damn thing. The Living Computer History Museum has an iPhone 5. Hey, see? <laughs> so, that's, anyway. So anyway I added, that, God, that's incredible. But it's still, that, it's still the latest shipping version of IE though, right? It is. And here's the problem is that Microsoft has said they will support it because it's in IE t- in Windows 10 and yep. they will support it as being part of Windows 10. But guess what? There is no... Windows 10 is an evergreen OS now. So we're going to be we're going to be supporting this damn thing for twenty five years. Sorry, surely not. No, surely Microsoft could have put a line in the sand with IE. Once Credge comes out, right? I love that Credge. Premium Edge Credge. Once yeah. once Credge comes out, they can say N minus one we support, right? So N minus one once Credge comes out is just Edge, hmm. and then they can ditch IE eleven. The trick is though, is all of those really crappy old enterprise internal applications that don't work in Edge or Credge. But there's a fix for that. Credge has an IE11 mode. But doesn't that mean they'll have to ship with IE11? I don't know. That's a Windows problem. I don't deal with that crap. But no, but what I mean is like, so long as they support that, then companies won't, will say IE11 is our min bar, right? Yeah, well, but that's the thing. Yeah, I, I get that part, but it's just once you have... You know what? We should do a different episode yeah, of IE11. Let's do, yeah, exactly. Let's let's um, another time. Anyway, so back to search. Yes. The whole thing's all set up. And so it's pretty cool because all it does is that I have a uh, web page that takes a value from the query string, which is I have a, a search form on every page of my site, but all that does is just put the query term in the URL and the query string. And then I have a page that uses um, the mustache templating system and jQuery. And it just goes out, fetches or issues a request to... Azure search says, here's the term. I get the results back and then I just show them on the site. And then I've got uh, part of my Azure pipeline that every time I do a new push, it purges the search page and the JSON file from the CDN cache. And then it waits a few seconds and then tells Azure search, go re-index. It works great. So I mean, it's, and it's free. I didn't pay a damn, I don't have to pay a dime for this. I'm still under the the 2,700 pages get indexed, uh, pieces oh, yeah. of content get indexed, and it still is free. So, Wow, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
So yeah, that's been that was my life my life this past week. There's some other stuff. I'll I'll mention it later. Sounds good. We have a listener pick that kind of applies to it. So all right. Today, what you and I were gonna do, we have uh, two things. We got a little bit of news, but we're gonna do that towards the end, just kind of a hot button kind of bing 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 kind of thing. Pow, pow, pow. Yeah, you know, pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, um, pew, pew. Those will be a couple, got three or four Microsoft cloud related news things, two AWS related news things. Somebody called us out on Facebook Messenger and said, uh, hey, you guys do the competitive landscape, but we haven't heard much about the competitive landscape from Google and AWS lately. I'm like, oh, that's funny. I got two things that are already set aside to talk about next week. <laughs> Good timing, whoever that was. It was. But uh, today, we do have some fun picks at the end, but today we wanted to talk about surviving the Microsoft Ignite 2019 conference. You have to say Microsoft Ignite because they don't own the trademark to Ignite. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, I got instructions about that as being part of the media. So before we do that, though, let's hear from one of our awesome sponsors. For those of us familiar with ShareGate, we know that they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now that we've all moved to the cloud, like me, you're probably thinking, How about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-serve environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, aka sprawl. That's why the folks at ShareGate developed ShareGate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 group's governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. Their super simple to use in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, AKA no more sprawl. Want to get your hands on ShareGate Apricot? Try it for free for 30 days at sharegate.com slash college show. Okay, CJ, I kind of cut you off as we were cutting over to one of our sponsors here, but what were you going to say? So the interesting thing here is you mentioned the Ignite trademark. I think the Ignite trademark is owned by Dan Bilzerian's marijuana business. That's my understanding too. I heard the same thing. You know, the the famous poker playing, rich womanizing douche canoe who (laughs) now, now runs a... No, right. oh. a business called Ignite Cannabis Business or something like that. Yeah. I'm flagged as a speaker and as a member of the media at Ignite. And one of the mailings I got about the member of the media thing was, yeah, it's Microsoft Ignite. It's not just Ignite. Like, yeah, they don't want Dan Blazeri and suing them. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So actually, you had this idea. We wanted to do this section here on surviving Ignite and just our two cents. We got three main sections that we want to run through. One of them is a fun little section you're going to have to or one has got a fun name to it that we're not going to say on the show hopefully people can figure this out if you do then we'll give you a solo key one of our cool fido keys security keys but the first section we want to run through is how do you prepare yeah to, we are just going to say ignite but we're referring to microsoft ignite but how do yeah. you prepare for the ignite conference in orlando now I, before i want to ask you this cj but i do want to jump in real quick I did a check. There are no launches scheduled at Cape Canaveral the week of Ignite. Call the whole thing off. Yeah, it kind of sucks. So there's nothing there. There's one one on Halloween and then there's one the week after. But so we kind of got screwed on timing. But savage. Yeah, sucks. Uh, Yes. So preparing, preparation is the key, as they say, right? Mm. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tackle this sort of in a little differently than I normally would because honestly, I've been to so many of these things 
that I sort of treat the event very differently than what I think a typical attendee would. And so my advice and my tips and tricks would more be, I'm going to try and focus them on how I would do it as an attendee. Okay. Right? Because I feel like now I go to these things, I'm not really the typical attendee anymore. I, I go to very few sessions, for example, and I have my weird eccentricities about the event that I suspect, you know, there's a bunch of other people on that same boat too, but, but for the most part, attendees would have a different experience than I would at these events. Mm-hmm. So I'll try and keep my tips and tricks attendee-focused, the typical attendee-focused as opposed to a sour or grumpy git that's been too many of these, been to too many of them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I kind of in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So prep, like as they say, preparation is key. So uh, a couple of things that I would be, I would be looking at straight away. If you're a first-time Ignite attendee, your first motivation will probably be to go through the content schedule and add as many things that look interesting to your schedule as possible. And you'll be triple booked sometimes, right? Every slot will be you know, triple booked. And mm. what I guess my tip around content planning in, your prep- in the preparation phase for the event is to not do that, is to pick two or three sessions that are your must-dos, right? That are absolutely topical for the work that you do every day that are really important to your business or the business that you work for and are kind of your must-haves, right? And then go crazy on the rest. Go look at sessions that are completely outside of your realm of day-to-day work because those are the ones that I think, as an attendee at these events, I've ever got the most out of, right? Those are the ones where you'll most likely not go and learn about outside of an event like this in your day-to-day role, right? You're not going to go... I go back to an internal Microsoft event that I, I attended a decade ago, longer. And the best session, I still to this day think it was the best session I ever went to, which was completely unrelated to my day job, but was absolutely fascinating and I learned a lot from, which was the internals of building the Xbox Live service. Right now, mm. how it's hosted and like physical infrastructure and scale and how they, like everything from data centers through the software that runs it and all this sort of stuff. And I found it mesmerizing and really, really interesting. And so my point is, set aside some spots that as you're doing your content planning, that you must have, and then set aside some spots for just completely unrelated content that that you're wondering whether you should actually go to because it doesn't relate to your day job, but will be motivating and fascinating and you'll actually learn something really deeply and a little bit tangential from your day job. That's good. I like that. I have a similar slash somewhat different kind of a spin to it. I too would focus on, like you said, I'd try and pick a handful of sessions that are your absolute must. And the ones that I would focus on for those are... Let me take a step back because all sessions I think that you want to go to are... You need to take a certain approach which is you don't go into the session trying to learn the details about how to do something. You don't want to walk out of there with a bunch of steps on go do this, go do this, go do this, go do this. Because as a presenter, there's no way that we're going to be able to put that across in 45 minutes. These sessions now are 45 minutes long. Much to my surprise, because I submitted a session that was supposed to be 75 minutes long. So I had to figure out how to cut 30 minutes of my session, which I haven't done yet, but I still have weeks to figure that out. That's brutal. They always used to be 75. Interesting. Yeah, they're 75 and then the, or they're 45 minutes, which, and then I've got like two groups from Microsoft, like, we really want you to talk about this. I'm like, no. No <laughs> Yeah, I've already got to cut your stuff. I think about that as a whole. Now, I look at sessions 
in two kind of categories here. So one is like what you said, pick a couple, ideally one or two a day that are your musts that you you have to go to that deal with what you do on a day-to-day basis. And specifically around those sessions, like for me, it's SharePoint framework or it's something related to Azure or Teams development as I'm spending more time doing that. For those sessions, either the all-up session and or I want to go to what's new. Those are the two things I'm going for. And the reason why is because the what's new, you're going to get a fire hose of all the stuff that you can go look at later because trying to make to distill all the news that's coming out at Ignite is impossible, even for a specific workload. Yeah. The other thing is that on the overall, like the overview of what is, like for me, what is the SharePoint framework or an introduction to Teams development? I love those overview sessions. And even though you don't, you're not going to learn anything in terms of the technical content, but you're going to see how Microsoft is, is positioning these things. And I think that you always learn the most about something when you understand the motivations for why they're doing something. And then it makes other other things kind of fall into place. So yeah. people that are like, I want you want to be I want to be able to do this with the SharePoint framework. Like that's not why they built it. They built it to solve this other problem. That's a problem that they're not even going to touch. So if you're waiting for that, you shouldn't be waiting for that. You're going to just get old. The other kind of session that I would that I would try and go to is, and I'm thinking I'm specifically thinking about people who are listening to this podcast. Which there are twenty five thousand people that are going to ignite. There are a significant number of those people who are not listening to our podcast. I don't know why, but they're not. Right? We've got thousands of people that listen to this, that download every single show, but not twenty five thousand. I wish we did. Our sponsors wish that they, <laughs> they did, wish they did too. But what I think that the people that are listening to the, are, to this podcast are people who are you're in this field not because this is what you kind of fell into. You do it because you enjoy it. You love it, and it inspires you. Right? You enjoy creating stuff. Either you're a developer or an IT pro, you enjoy, you enjoy solving problems. One of the things that I find that you get into with our business, I do, I'm sure everybody else does, is that, or a lot of other people do as well, is that we fall into the day-to-day and the job just gets boring. But you find one of those cool tech things, and it's one of the reasons why we do our picks, or at least one of the reasons why I like the fact that we do our picks, is because I like to find tech stuff that's inspiring. That yeah. session you talked about a minute ago about the Xbox session, yeah. that stuff's inspiring. Is it at all related to what you do? Maybe not specifically, but mm. it's inspiring. My pick later today that we'll do later in the episode, same thing. Am I ever going to do the stuff that this guy's doing? No, but I found it fascinating and it's inspiring to me. And how could I do something similar to this in my job? So yeah, hey. find sessions that are like that, that are inspiring, that get the, yeah. they get the spark going, that get your juices going. You may not go back and actually do this stuff, but it's just something you sat down and watched it like going, that was, sorry, excuse the language, but you walk out of there going, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. No, exactly. You've got to walk away motivated and uh, going to the same types of content over and over and over doesn't motivate you typically. I will throw more thing out there. Now I'm going to jump into our next section on the preparing piece to it as well. Sure. And then I'll pitch it back to you. Here's another thing that I like to do is you're going to go, if you go to Ignite, there, maybe there are specific questions that you're trying to get solved. Right. So like for me, I've seen a couple things that have happened recently and there are specific answers that I am looking for. Mm. So what do I do? I'm going to go find a session that is related to this, this topic that I'm, I have a question about. If I don't, I want to go find an individual, a specific individual and go ask the question. If I know who that person is, then great. Let's go find their session that they're speaking at and try and show up at the end of the session and go up and ask them the question. 
or go find out what booth they're going to be on that I can go talk to them later. But anyway, I want to find that person. I want to talk to them. Yeah. If I don't know who that person is, go find the topic, find the speaker on that topic, go talk to that speaker. Maybe they have an answer for you, but if they don't, they're going to know who to point me to. Yeah, no, exactly. That's actually a really good point, right? Sometimes you can go to sessions, not necessarily for the session content, but for the, for the questions and along the way, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, and making the connections. Yeah, so prep. Other thing to consider, one other tip is I suspect, you know, typically I would only ever plan on going to four sessions a day. There's probably room for six, right? If you really push it, you might be able to go to six sessions, maybe. Mm-hmm. But remember, these are massive events. You've got to walk really long distances sometimes between sessions. And you've got a bunch of other activities around the core content. So, figuring out in advance, preparing, part of it can be look at what room it's in, look at where you've got to get to next, and do you have a, even a small chance of making it, right? Have a look at the map and see where you've got to go. Because some of the distances, you can walk miles and miles and miles at these events each day if you're not careful. If you're bouncing back and forth across the event, yeah. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't if you haven't done Ignite yet, it, the Orange County Convention Center, there are two main buildings, north, south, and east, west. And it look they've done a pretty good job consolidating more of it down to east, west than north, south. But this year, yeah, yeah. But you need, but definitely take a look at it. It used to be uh, north, south, east, west, and the Hyatt. And they've done a pretty good job, like saying like labs are in the Hyatt and some other stuff is in the Hyatt, and then not so much sessions are in the Hyatt. But yeah. Yeah. No, so I guess just in, in your preparation, think about the logistics of getting around as well, because you know, I've made the mistake of having a 10-minute break between sessions and having to get across the event, and there is no chance of doing mm-hmm. that, especially when there are 20,000 other people all moving at the same time. On a, walk, on a thin walkway across the street. Yeah, exactly. There are <laughs> bottlenecks, right? Yeah, exactly. It yeah. could take you half an hour instead of 10 minutes or what have you. So that's definitely something else to consider. Other things are, are gear. I used to carry a backpack around these events, put a, a bag to put stuff in. Now I try to carry nothing, right? My phone, maybe a tablet at the most. That's all I'll carry now just because walking around all day with a heavy backpack, running around between sessions, walking a bunch of distance, you think you need all that stuff, but it turns out you probably never use it. Yeah, I agree. I will have my backpack with my laptop on the day that I'm presenting. Mm. And then outside of that, I have a little small like messenger bag that will have my iPad in it and maybe a battery and maybe the microphone for our podcast. And that's it. If you get stuck, just go to the expo floor and there are th- hundreds of vendors, hundreds of exhibitors and many dozens of them will have bags. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> if you need yeah. a bag, it won't be hard to find a plastic bag or a, or a small sort of tote bag or something like that. Anyway. I guess you may be the, the attendee that likes to collect all the swag. I'm sick of coming home. I do not need another freaking Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> yeah. In the age, in the age of uh, eco-friendly stuff, I've given up on taking any swag other than a few stickers. That's about it. I, that's my attitude as well. I don't take any swag. I now take my own water bottle that will work well with my bag that I can clip onto my bag. I do like to walk around with a water bottle with me, but... Yeah. Hey, yeah. so moving on a little bit from prep into consuming content and going to sessions and things, what's a top tip you've got for 
around content and sessions and how you sort of navigate these events? Like we talked about, you know, have some sessions already picked out. I would try and do it before the conference and not at the conference. I find that when I do that, I never, I never end up going to anything. I like those times when you have like a break in your day and you can kind of look down and go like, what did I earmark for right now? Like, oh, I didn't have anything. It's a boring moment. Or, hey, here's three things that I could be interested in right now. When you go to a session, take a notebook or take a tablet to be able to take notes on. Do not take your laptop. Don't sit there and try and crack that thing out. Power is going to be hard to come by. Wi-Fi is going to suck. And when you take notes... I like to... All of the slides are generally going to be available. I think almost every session is being recorded. The big thing is not to document the session, but instead to try and... What can I go back to find to jar my memory? Take quick little notes. Write the session code down. That's a big one. Hopefully this year, they will do a good job of putting the session codes in the video titles to make it easier to find them where they didn't do that in previous years. But... I would write down the session codes. I'd put the session codes down and just being like, this is where I was on what day it was and like two or three little words on what was important about it to yeah, you. Fair, what fair. stuck out to you that you can go back and look at later and have some sort of a notation that says, go back and look at this in your notebook so that you know that you can go back and look at things and that you're not trying to consume everything right on the spot. Yep. That's a really good call. What How about you? Yeah. Well, as, you know, following on from your point, I think one of the most interesting things is which sessions not to bother with, right? And just just go hit the recording up later. But I think my top tip in this regard is plan for sessions to be full. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to get into Mark Rasinovich's Azure Overview session and you are not there half an hour before the session starts or 20 minutes before the session starts, chances of getting in, fried egg, my friend, a big yeah, fat you- zero you will have as much of a chance of getting in 30 minutes after the session starts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So my tip here is turn up early for the sessions you really care about if you want to get in because they're going to be really popular, no doubt, right? The big ones with the great speakers that you might want to get into, they're going to be really popular. So turn up early and then following on from that, have a backup plan. So if you rock up to a session and it's full and the doors are already closed, you don't want to be mucking around with your phone trying to get Wi-Fi and figuring out which session you're going to next, right? Which other one is in the session catalog that's nearby. Have a backup plan for each session you want to go to, especially the really popular ones or the big ones, because chances are you're not going to be able to get in or you run a very high chance of not being able to get in. And so you want a fallback plan. If you're mucking around for 10 minutes trying to find another session to go to, you'll be out of luck and you'll be sitting around for a whole session and missing out. So yeah, I just have a backup plan or the second session that you'd want to go to for a yeah, spot. Agreed. I definitely agree with that too. And I guess the other one that we didn't really talk about, we talked about gear a bit ago, but I would say for make sure that you have a... I, I want to pile on what you said a minute ago about like don't try and walk around this big ass backpack and have all this stuff that you think that you're going to end up needing. You want to go as light as you can. You want to have comfy shoes on. You want to have comfy clothes on. You can be comfortable. Thankfully, in this industry... You can be comfortable in your clothes and still look nice and not be in a suit, right? So Correct. you can wear, I mean, like you turn me on to those Allbird shoes. Now it's like walking around in slippers, yet they still look, they're still dressy enough to be dressy. Oh, that's my top tip for conferences, I've got to say. Oh, yeah. After years of sore feet, Allbirds for conferences are my must have. So good shoes, a phone fully charged in the morning, a battery with your phone charging cable have a spare battery in your bag with a phone charging cable and religiously use the camera on your damn phone. Like if you see something that's interesting, 
take a picture of it. Take a picture. And that's like, I do that with my notes. Take pictures of it, of stuff, of a session. I'll take pictures of a slide. And it's like, you know, you can get the slides later. I'm like, yeah, I can, but I'm not going to remember which slide I really wanted. Yeah. That yeah. one, I'm not going to write it down. I'm going to take a picture of it real quick. I'll zoom in, take a picture. Good. Oh, it's all blurry. It's like, that's my okay. notes. It took me, it didn't take me that long to take the picture. Yeah, fair enough. Um, those are definitely big things for me. And man, for me too, the big thing is um, headphones. So for me, it's my AirPods, but I'm taking headphones. There's a time you just got to tune everything out. Yep. Yeah. That's actually a good point. If you're in the middle of an expo and you need to take a work meeting or something like that, prepare for that well in advance because there are no quiet spaces. Very oh, quiet spaces, right? I also like the stuff. I take, I usually buy a box of those cliff bars or something like that. Yeah. And good really point. Keep two, two of those in my bag as well because conference food sucks. So show me a chef that's really good at cooking for 20,000 people at once. I personally try to avoid the conference food. I personally try and go find somewhere else to go eat. I'm like one of the little shacks or stands that's in the conference center. But also during the day, I'm like, I'm just going to live off a cliff bar or two cliff bars and just snack through the day. And then I'll have a nice dinner at the end of the day. Yeah, stick them in your back pocket. Cliff bars are fine if they're sort of soft. (laughs) They're protein (laughs) pills. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So what about other stuff at the conference? So like a big thing that we haven't spoken about is expo floor and how to tackle it. For me, the expo floor is the most interesting part about a conference. Uh, these yeah, you, you've got a fun little trick that you do. I mean, you walk around. I'd like to do this with you this year if, we can, if there's... When you do it, just kind of follow and see how you do this. But the way that you survey an expo floor is pretty cool. Yeah, I reserve... I try to reserve probably two slots during the week of, say, two hours each slot just to walk the expo floor. And I'm really methodical about like I go up every aisle and down every aisle and just slow walking, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of vendors that are not that interesting to me, but I have a few goals of doing it, right? One is see who's there, see who's still there, see who's not there anymore. That's the most that's, interesting one. That's what I want to hear you say. <laughs> and see who's new, right? And mm. I have figured out or I've learned about new tools, new projects that are underway, new companies that are building interesting products just by seeing who's new on the expo floor and who's exhibiting. And not the big, the big glossy stands up the front, they're the same every year. Mm-hmm. They're the exact same vendors every year. But it's the little one and two man booths, two person booths at the back of the expo with our tiny little companies that are sort of just starting out. Those are really interesting. Uh, the ones I find the most interesting anyway. And so, yeah, I'll set aside two spots during the week where I'll just walk the expo floor I'll cover the same ground twice sometimes, right? Because just to go back, but then go up, go up, hear their pitch, see what their wares are all about and see what they do and just sort of learn about what problem they're trying to solve. And typically you can put them into different categories, right? Like there's, there's the vendors that help developers. There's the vendors that help the IT pros. There's the security vendors. There's the backup vendors. There's blah, 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 you know, there's the introduced box vendors. There's the blah, blah, you know, there's these categories. And so you get really good about walking past the booth and be like, Backup vendor, security vendor, Microsoft Teams trying to ride the wave vendor. Uh, <laughs> flash in the pan, I can't believe they're still a live vendor. You know? <laughs> that marketing group does a really bad job. I can't figure out what the hell they do, vendor. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? You walk past and, you, and there's, they fall into three categories in terms of marketing. One, they don't say enough. Their backdrop is just a color with the name of their company. And that's not enough for me. Like, I need to know what you do without talking to you, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's... 
then you get the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like they've taken buzzwords, stuffed them in a shotgun and then splattered them against the back wall of their booth, right? Mm-hmm. It's like just utter buzzword bullshit bingo, right? And it's mm-hmm. completely off-putting as well where they try to say they're not entirely sure. They're so excited about what they do that they want to say everything on their booth. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, your marketing team suck too. And then there's the middle. The middle ground is a good is a good spot to be in, where you can walk past, you get a really good picture of what category they're in, what they do, and whether it's interesting to you. And then you can engage, right? Because I'm not I'm not the sort of person that wants to walk up to a booth and go, "Hi, what do you do?" Right? Because yeah. you know you're going to get. I don't have time for that. So, but anyway, setting aside the time to walk the floor is really, really important to me, and yeah. uh, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's something I want to try and do. I'm going to do that this time. I don't do a good job of that, but I do want to walk. I do want to do the same thing that you did, that, that you just discussed or that you mentioned about how you approach it. Like you want to get through everything. I do want to take the time to, I, w- God, I wish there was a badge that you could hang around your neck, which is, you know, I don't want to talk to you. I'm just looking, right? So it's like somebody coming up to you, like, you want to come over here, sign you up, like, you know, let me scan your badge and give you a free, you know, whatever, you know, bullshit thing for your backpack. And I really just want to walk by and I just want to see what everybody's doing. Like what you said, get a good survey. And I want to be able to, without talking to you, find out, is this something that I would want to know about to be able to share with somebody else? Or are you going to make my life easier? Something like that. Yeah. I do want to walk through the Microsoft section this time, take a little more time with that to figure out what's uh, some of the different stands and to see what things that they find, what things are more important. You can always tell based on how crowded one booth is, what the, the market attention is on something and how sparse another technology is with a crowd around it to see like how much people don't care about. I really like the section that they've got where you can go sit down in this like kind of a chill area and they have these, this huge screen wall of all these sessions that are being presented and then you can go over and watch the different sessions. But I like just going over there just to chill. I put my headphones on, but I don't tune into any of the sessions and just kind of watch what's going on on the different screens, just seeing there's something interesting here or there. So yeah, true. it's... I do like doing that. I do like spending most of my time in the expo, but part of it too is also finding the right spot to hang out in the expo because it's a great place. It's a great place to go to get stuck in conversations, but it's a great place to go if you know how to hide and to be like, I'm just here to kind of watch. I just want to be a lawyer. I just want to consume. I don't want to interact because personally as an introvert, I'm going to be wiped out by day two. And it's, it's nice to just find a spot like, where can I just go hide and just be, you know, I just want to go into my hole and pull, pull a Houdini. Yeah, I'm with you. Cool. We also call the expo floor the bar. But the it's bar. not yes. the bar like the bar at night, like the alcohol bar. Not the drinking bar. No, it's, gonna, it's, an, it's an acronym that you and I have, the B-A-R. <laughs> and if you guys can figure it out... It's an acronym a... for the expo floor, right? So it's specifically... Related to the expo floor. For the room. For the expo room, which is everything. Podcasting, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you figure it out, let us know. We'll give you a solo key. We'll give you a solo key. Yeah. All right. So CJ, we've gone on a bunch talking about Surviving Ignite. Do you have any parting words for the whole Ignite experience for anybody? Absolutely. Rule number one, don't peak too early. Yeah. (laughs) It's very very easy for people to get carried away and party too hard and just peak too early in the week. And by the end of day two or by the end of day three, you're absolutely wrecked and you want to pace yourself. That's my top tip. Okay. That's your top tip. Do you have a hack? I'm putting you on the spot here. Sorry. I can do mine if you want. 
oh, top hack, don't bother going to the keynotes. <laughs> oh, that's a good <laughs> is that, one. Is that a hack? I don't know if that's a hack, but that's my top, like, that's my top hack. Like, just, I just don't bother. I just, I sit in my hotel room, usually in bed, sit up with a nice cup of coffee or whatever, have, go grab some breakfast, come back to the room, crack open your screen, watch the keynote streamed from your hotel room. I do not bother with the keynote room. You get a shitty view. You have to hang out with 20,000 other people and you feel like a sheep being herded in and out of those rooms. And I just don't bother anymore. I just watch it from my room. I have started doing the same thing. Even when the opportunities I've had like really good seating for that's been set yeah, aside like for whatever seating. reason. Yeah. 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 I still don't even do that. And I don't even go out to go get breakfast. That's when room service is delivered. I get my cup of coffee. I have my breakfast, sit there, all showered up, ready to go. That's done. And then I start, I head out. Uh, let's yeah. me tune out of certain parts of the keynote that don't really make a whole lot of sense. My hack and my tip is skip the attendee party. Mm. Oh, that's a I, big one. I have not gone to an attendee party in years for any conference. I find it to be the best way to just go get your own time to go recharge. It's also yeah. when all of the restaurants have open reservations. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Although that, that's tough. If you're a first-time attendee to one of these big events, like going to one of the big theme parks, in this case, Universal, it can be a, kind of a big deal for some people. And plus you get to drink <laughs> while, well, okay, you're, yeah. while you're walking around between the rides, which you often don't get the opportunity to do that at these theme parks. So anyway. There's no screaming kids too, which is nice. That um, is nice. That is nice. Although last year it was pissing with rain, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I do remember that. That was, yep. Well, no, I remember people complaining about that. And yeah. the lines were long as well. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I didn't notice. I was sitting over having a nice, I had a nice, actually, we had a nice dinner. And then you guys headed up to the party. And then I headed back to the hotel. And I was like, I just went back to the bar and just kind of got bumps yeah. and email and enjoyed a yeah. beer in, my, in the quiet. That's what you get for having work colleagues there. You've got to go hang out with them. <laughs> yeah. No Anywho. employees, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, tell you what, we got a little bit of news that we want to get through. We're going to do this kind of quick. Before we do it, though, we got to listen to one of our... or Actually, a couple of our sponsors here that have helped make this show incredibly popular and successful. Yes. Struggling to reproduce problems in your code base? Successful software starts with Raygun. Raygun provides application performance monitoring unlike anything that you've experienced before, offering greater clarity around how your software is performing for your customers than any other APM provider. Easily detect and diagnose issues impacting end users and monitor every part of your stack in one place. It's time to get back to building great software instead of fighting it. Start your journey to better software quality and try Raygun for free at raygun.com today. A 99.9% .9 SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, maybe even a dinosaur attack. Does it protect you from yourself though? Avpoint Backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery from individual items to entire team sites. Avpoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover anytime you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why Avpoint is the Microsoft Cloud expert at www.avpoint.com. Okay, CJ, we have a little bit of news here. We've spent most of our time talking about Ignite. So why don't you take a couple of these and fire through some of the news here and share them with our listeners before we move on to our picks. Yeah, sounds good. One of the most interesting ones I came across this week was that .NET Core 3.0 concludes the .NET Framework API porting project. So they're basically saying no more porting from the .NET Framework 
.NET Core 3.0 is done in terms of bringing old APIs across. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, porting <laughs> old .NET Framework applications to .NET Core, if you can't do it now based on the APIs that are available, I don't know. There are some interesting projects like for Windows Workflow Foundation that are kind of going on by third third parties in the ecosystem. UiPath is porting the dot, uh, Windows Workflow Foundation to .NET Core, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of cool. So there's a few things like that, Core WF and Core WCF that are going on in the ecosystem. So yeah, but Microsoft think they're done with .NET Core in terms of API porting from, from the big framework. I found the way that they announced that to be pretty funny, where they posted something as an issue inside of a GitHub issue and then immediately locked it. So nobody could comment on it. I don't want anybody's opinion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Great. It's this be is what way. we're doing, and we turn commenting off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Okay, thanks. Bye. Another take the one same here. Lesson with IE. Go support, ahead. I'm sorry. Support for Office 2010 is ending. Get current with Office 365 Pro Plus. Do we need to say any more? Probably not. Are you still using Office 2010? Good grief. I hope not. This is from my old boss, Jared Spataro. Actually, it's quite funny. And, I'm using uh, Office 2010 and IE 11. There you go. Oh, dear. Don't joke. I mean, there's probably a boatload of people on this boat. Like, you'd oh, be... Yeah. Uh, uh, I hate to think. Hmm. Still XP machines out there. Here's another one. Microsoft launches open source projects around Kubernetes and microservices. So they're talking about this new open source project called Dapper, D-A-P-R. I think that's how you pronounce it which is a portable event-driven runtime that takes some of the complexity out of building microservices in the open application model. Basically, it's a whole set of new tooling to help you build apps, run them on Kubernetes, and have it make more sense. Mm-hmm. This is kind of bridging the divide between developers and infrastructure. So Mark Rosinovich comes and talks about it. No doubt they'll have a bunch of stuff at Ignite about it, but it's basically a new way to define applications and roll them out. That one was pretty interesting. What else we got? General Availability of Desktop Analytics. How about that? By Brad Anderson, CVP of Microsoft 365. Wake up, AC. Are you still there? It's a deployment thing for IT pros rolling out Windows and other desktop apps. And another news, AWS. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, it's a a new feature that's out. It's GA. Yeah, so I got a a pair of AWS things, which again, it's kind of funny. Somebody kind of said, hey, I thought you did competitive analysis or competitive landscape. What we do, so here's something we got. I love how, how on the AWS blog, they use something called Amazon Poly, which will take the entire post and those computer-generated audio. So I've frequently turned on Poly and just had the blog post read to me. Huh. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. pretty cool. So if you go to the link, it shows it right at the top of the, of the page. In this first bit of news from AWS, they have post called Migration Complete. Amazon's consumer business just turned off its final Oracle database. They have been going through a multi-year process of migrating all of their Oracle databases and from that are used for different customer business to be able to maintain things. This includes things such as Alexa, Amazon Prime, Prime Video, Amazon Fresh, Kindle, Amazon Music, Audible, Shopbop. I don't know what that is. Twitch and Zappos. I didn't realize AWS was on uh, Twitch. What they've done is they have taken all of these Oracle databases that ran these different lines of business and they have migrated them over to their own databases. And what I mean by that is by maybe a relational database, maybe a in-memory database, a data warehouse, a document database, a graph database, key value, whatever it is, these different databases that database solutions 
that AWS has from DynamoDB, Aurora, uh, Relational Database Service, Redshift, which includes things like SQL or includes things like Postgres. They have migrated over 75 petabytes of internal data stored in nearly 7,500 Oracle databases to these different services that they've done, their own homegrown services. It's helped them reduce the administrative overhead. They've had performance improvements and a significant cost reductions in some places down to uh, down to 60%. It's kind of funny. They have a little video too that they have that they posted of a, a celebration they have when they captured the shutdown of the last Oracle database. I tell you Isn't what it? must have been the most exciting part of all this is giving the big middle finger to Larry. <laughs> no more licensing costs, Mr. No Ellison. more licensing costs, exactly. It was only a couple of years ago, I think, that Larry Ellison said Amazon will never be able to move off Oracle. Yeah. Well, sure it. enough, they've done it. And now you know why their database, some of their database services, or their database services, are called Redshift. Oh, that's a great point. Because they're shifting off the red, off Oracle, right? Oracle's the red company. They called their database services Redshift because of that. Like that was the mission. Get off red. I had no idea. That's pretty cool. Yep. Well, there I you mean, go. Oracle doesn't think so. But anyway. <laughs> hey, Salesforce, other- if you're listening, now it's your turn. Get off Oracle. <laughs> They're a big Oracle shop. The other bit of news here I have from AWS, they have a GA announcement. Their Elastic Compute Cloud, the EC2, which is their VM offering, they now have bare metal ARM instances available for a virtual machine. So you can have what's called the instances called the A1 Metal. Uh-huh. Logical CPUs, 16, 32 gigs of RAM, 3.5 gigabit bandwidth. Wait, for storage. Sorry, storage for storage. Bandwidth, yeah. yeah, and uh, up to 10 gigabits uh, in network, network bandwidth. Wow. And so it's ARM. It's ARM on, based like on the metal. Curious. I wonder what the workloads are that are demanding this. That'd be interesting to hear about. Cool. Firehose and news. That's all the news that's fit to print. Now, let's move on to our picks. But first... ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. CJ's Hyperfish automates the collection of user profile information from users in organizational directories such as Office 365, SharePoint, Active Directory, and HR systems. The secure service supports on-premises, hybrid, and online environments. Bring your directory to life at hyperfish.com. CJ, you ready for some picks? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, we have one that was submitted from a listener. He didn't officially submit it as a listener pick, but he does listen to the show. I'm a big fan of this guy too. He tweeted it to me yesterday. Loved it. You know the OpenAI initiative? Yeah. Elon Musk and Microsoft and stuff. They have a post on how they built a robotic human hand in neural networks and have been able to teach this hand how to solve a Rubik's Cube. And they've even done things with giving the cube a glove. Or sorry, giving the hand a glove. They've taped two fingers together so it was handicapped. They have, what was the other thing they did? They took a stuffed giraffe and kept banging on the cube while the thing was trying to solve the cube. But it's this huge post that goes through explaining how they've gone about, how they implemented it, how they, all the stuff they went through, or they built up these new patterns and stuff to try and figure out. It's pretty cool. Wow. It's pretty darn cool. Oh, that's a great pick. 
it's pretty cool. And I mentioned in the beginning of the show that I had something else to the banter that I was going to just punt until later. I finally got a Kickstarter delivered to me yesterday. Uh, I got this for my daughter back in the summer. It's called a GoCube. And this thing is a, it's a Bluetooth enabled Rubik's Cube that has a companion app for your phone. And it walks you through. There's a whole bunch of things you can do with it. It teaches you how to solve a Rubik's Cube, shows you how to do the, the pattern with it and stuff, uh, how to do um, different algorithms to solve it. Mm. I saw, thanks to the app last night and not telling me what to do, but kind of giving me a challenge and saying, okay, here's a pattern. Like there's a pattern called right hand, which is the right hand is rotate once right, top, back, and then top again. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing it on video for you to see. Our listeners can't yeah. see it. Yeah. But it's cool. Like if you know that you have something in this position, how do you want to get it down to a different position? Yeah, the sit moves. Uh, it's really cool. And so I already got the app out of sync with the Ruby's Cube. I got it out of sync last night and I had to wait until my daughter woke up because it said you can reset the cube in the app, but you have to make sure it's in a solved state. So I had to wait for my, my 10-year-old to wake up to give her the cube and say, would you solve this? Which she solved it in about a minute and a half. Actually, less than that. <laughs> Gave it back to me. I reset. I'm like, cool. Now I can keep going. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's yeah. pretty good at those. Uh, it's awesome. So what about you? You got a pick for us? Uh, yes. Along the same lines of AI, there's a massive AI-powered robot a 3D printing entire rockets. So there's this Ooh. company called Relativity Space, which may have the biggest metal 3D printers in the world. And now they're cranking out rocket parts. So the, the idea here is these dudes are trying to, guys and gals, I imagine, are trying to build an entire 3D printed rocket. There's some parts they don't 3D print, some of the electronics and bits and pieces, but they, like the main things, they've got a video here of like printing one of the fuel tanks, I believe it is, and it's wow. fascinating. It's additive, right? So it's, it's printing as opposed to uh, removing material, you know, like using a lathe lathe or whatever but yeah they're aiming to print these things and what's interesting is they said that there was for say a rocket a rocket would normally consist of thousands of parts right but they're building an engine with like a hundred parts huh you know because you've got to simplify it as much as possible to to print is what i'm getting is is what i'm what i think is going on and so they're just having to simplify things right down and print parts as opposed to joining two parts together you know this is really cool because if you think about how you could, the real world application for this is ultimately we go to Mars or we go somewhere else. It's not going to be, you don't want to take all the spare parts. It would be yeah. easier to you make, make a part. Yeah, yeah, you just take the parts to be able to make a part. Yes, exactly. And yeah, when I visited Kennedy and went to the Swamp Works lab, one of the things they were doing was making heat shields out of moon regolith, right? Like out of material that you could get elsewhere or Martian regolith to, um, you know, so you didn't have to haul these really heavy heat shields up into orbit. That's really cool. Making stuff in space. Cool. What do you got for us this week? I have a Twitter analysis, identifying a pro-Indonesian propaganda bot network. So this guy, his name is Benjamin Strick. He has a, works for the, he's an open source investigator for BBC Africa Eye. So there's an ongoing conflict in West Papua. I may be pronouncing that wrong. Papua. Um, Papua. Oh, Papua, yes. As they are, there's a freedom movement where they're trying to seek independence from Indonesia. Mm. And there is a... I used to live in Papua New, New Guinea, which is the east part oh, Papua, of that Papua country. New Guinea, okay. Well, no, Papua New Guinea is on the other side. West Papua is on the other side. I suspect it was west and east, yeah. I didn't get that part. Um, <laughs> So what this guy did is he found there was a bunch of tweets. Um, there's a whole like propaganda network that was going on where 
Uh, it was all fueled by different social accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And a lot of the content that they were spreading was all spread using tweets, using specific hashtags. So what he did is he went through and he collected a bunch of these different tweets, created a giant data set from tweets that were tagged, that were posted from September the 20, August the 29th to September the 2nd, so just a, just a few days. Mm. And he he sliced them on different metadata. So the usernames that were tweeting specific tags, the usernames that were retweeting specific tags or posts and liking posts, timestamps, URLs, and the type of the different activities that they were doing. And then he visualized it. And he was able to kind of nail these things down and find where are were these different bots. By looking at the graph that he had generated from all this stuff, he was able to find these things that were like outliers. On, this is kind of weird on what's going on. So he goes yeah. over, kind of dives into it, and then uses things like uh, Yandex. So doing a reverse search on an image and finding that here's a Twitter profile. This username looks like it was randomly generated, like Marco26700402 or 420. And you see it's got a real person that's listed there. It's got a real name to it. Well, he took the picture, put it inside this the Yandex reverse search engine, and it comes back and shows the exact same picture being used in all of these different things. It's like, ah, this is clearly a bot. Shows other bots that are other accounts that are clearly bots that are creating content based on what other people are saying in, re- in response to some of these different tweets, generating videos out of it, posting the videos to YouTube, and then retweeting these things, and then having a re- or posting tweets about this content, and then having other bots in this bot network retweeting them to get the message out. It's really interesting how he went about doing this. Interesting. To, to figure this out and how he was able to kind of pick it apart and going like, yep, yeah, there's a lot of noise here, but it is just a lot of noise. There's not a lot of signal. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. I'm going to read that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I got most of the way through it and I was like, all right, I get the picture of this and it's pretty interesting here, but yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that sort of stuff. I love reading about it. It fascinates me. Yeah, just seeing how someone went about doing this. Is, um, it's neat to see how they did it, but it's also neat to see what's possible with what we have today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I've seen so, those applications. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. cool. Hey, well, I'll see you at Ignite. Yeah, man. I will see you at Ignite. We'll do a, we got a show or two that we're going to do at Ignite. Hopefully we'll have a more than that. But as the weeks come on, we will keep get, jump on the email list. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on, on Twitter. We will uh, definitely be share anything that's going on that we have uh, related to the podcast. Should have a bunch of shirts as well to be able to hand out that are, we will have for our listeners. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. But don't, we won't be carrying around in large backpacks. Hell no. A few at a time. Yep. Cool. (laughs) Have a good one. Yeah, man. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in iTunes. Word of mouth recommendations are the most effective ways for us to grow the show, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link so that we can play your question on the show. You can subscribe to us in iTunes in the Google Play Store by searching for the Microsoft Cloud Show or via RSS at microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll also find notes of each episode. You can also find us on Facebook, searching for Microsoft Cloud Show, or on Twitter, at MS Cloud Show. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website and entering your email to interact with us, participate in upcoming interviews, and other cool stuff. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.